Welcome to episode 28 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Laura Langfitt of Unbridled Content Marketing. Laura is the word wrangler. She helps small businesses by harnessing their personalities and bringing them to life online. She's an expert storyteller and community builder, a tough Alaskan chick who opened her heart to a horse in need and upended her life to save him. She's half Alaskan wild woman, half cowgirl. She says it's an identity crisis in the most wonderful way. She spends her days sharing the stories of equine entrepreneurs in a way that inspires their fans and builds communities around their businesses. When she's not typing away behind the computer, she's with her horse, volunteering at the Barnyard Animal Rescue Nest, or working away on her urban homestead. People buy into personality. They are attracted to it, and they want more of it. Listen in on how Laura Langfitt can help you craft a story around your brand that will bring your customers running as fast as a horse bolting back to the barn. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice, and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi everyone, welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Show. Today I am so excited to have Laura Langfitt on the show. She is the founder and owner of Unbridled Content Marketing, and we're gonna get into some really cool ways authors can build their story and learn about Laura and what she does. And we're going to talk marketing on this show. So welcome, Laura. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on, Carly. I'm super excited to talk to you, to get to know your audience. This is this is so fun. I'm already having a blast. <laughs> this is so great. So you, you, we we have a lot to talk about and we have a lot in common and uh, we both love horses. And that's how I like to start off the show. Like I need to know how your love affair with horses began. <laughs> gotcha. So I am not one of those people that was born on the back of a horse. I did not get into it until I was about 22, I think. In January of 2016, I was really having a hard time in grad school. I, I'm not a math person, and it tur- what I thought was going to be heavily business turned into be really heavily statistics mm. and all these crazy equations. I didn't know what I was doing. So I was getting coffee with a friend who had been through the degree right ahead of me, and she said, you know what? Do you, you know, do you like horses? And I was like, yes, I, I do like horses. I've never really been around them. I could never own one because I don't know the first thing about caring for them but I do like horses. And she just said, go home and get a pair of boots and meet me back here. And she took me to Orphan Acres, which is, it's 250 acres in the mountains in Viola, Idaho. And it's a horse rescue with 87 horses. Oh, wow. And I was addicted like that. <laughs> like the owner, his name is Brent. He's the most laid back guy. If you want to learn horses, you show up and you learn horses. So everybody has to pitch in and everybody has to help with chores. You know, I have, I have shoveled enough manure to clock a lifetime worth of manure shoveling. <laughs> but it's not that bad, right? It's, like it's there's, wonderful. There's... It's a great workout. It, you know, I would not have gotten through grad school had it not have been that 
those few hours a day of shoveling manure and organizing my thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, I like to say it's very meditative to be out at the farm, be with the horses and you clean stalls, you know, that's and, just and like, you're making show, you know, you walk in and it's a wreck and you walk out and it looks great. You know, you can't possibly not feel super accomplished doing that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so horses helped you manage a very stressful time of your life. And then you're very, very passionate about rescue. I really, I got that from uh, reading the responses. I mean, most of your responses on the, the Google form that you sent back to me just gave you goosebumps because you are a very eloquent writer, but your passion for what you do really ring true to me. So you're very passionate about rescue. You got your start in grad school where you were going to volunteer at this rescue and it led even further down the road to your horsey life. So would you talk a little bit about how rescue united you into actually being a horse owner? Right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really funny because I was, I've always been a major animal rescuer growing up. Um, my parents had a rule where if it can live in your bedroom, you can rescue it. <laughs> I like that rule. That's a the great local rule. shelter pretty much had me on speed dial for anything that was in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But so my friend introduced me to this little Arab gelding named Double Trouble. And she had been working with this little paint Arab cross who she loved. And she was like, you know, I just fresh out of grad school. I'm still in grad school. You know, horse ownership couldn't have been any farther on the horizon, but we were like, we're going to work with these horses and get them more adoptable. You know, we're going to get these horses adopted. Mm. As the story goes, you know, those horses got adopted. You better believe it. They came right home with us. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it goes very often. Yes. (laughs) But you, we, I mean, DT wasn't, he was halter broke as in you could put a halter on him, but he, like totally insane you know everywhere Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and he had this he had definitely headbutted someone to the ground and gotten away from them successfully at some point in his days (laughs) oh my goodness so that was his go-to so I walked him with my arms stretched straight out in a fist for probably six weeks and my whole goal was I want someone to be able to take you on a walk when they come to potentially adopt you and have you not kill them so that they like you (laughs) Exactly. But it, but it also sounds like you had a connection somehow with him because he, yeah. didn't, he didn't kill you. <laughs> he didn't kill me and he should have. Um, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, as soon as I got him to trust me enough to say, I'm going to take you away from the herd and you're going to live, mm-hmm. all of a sudden he would do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, created a, a bond with a him. Bond. And, yeah. and it sounds like you guys learned together because this was kind of your first venture into being around horses often I mean you always liked them but but now you're working with rescues who are not that gentle and you ended up bonding with this horse and learning together I mean this is not how you generally would recommend a new horse owner horsemanship this is probably not it but this is how I did it yes (laughs) but this is your path and you stepped right into it which is really cool and you embraced it and you took it on and like life showed up this way for you and you you followed it and it's led to all these beautiful things we're about to talk about in this interview right (laughs) yeah and so yeah my husband and I were just talking about this um last weekend because our horse we have now is just getting into she's still insanely green but he was saying you know we're just walking around the block with her and he's in the saddle and I'm leading her. We're pony riding all over the place. Um, And he said, I feel so much more comfortable on MJ than I ever did on DT. And that's like, DT was wild Mm -hmm. and our hearts connected and I could get on him and let him fly. We rode all over the hills of Yosemite in a halter. Like we were just, I, I never had any control over him. I never needed to. He just did what I asked. 
they wouldn't do that for anyone else. It was, it was a soul connection that you can never have. So I have to tell the sad part of the story now so that you can understand where we're at today. But I was camping with him out in the sticks at my friend's ranch and he colicked and we lost him really, really, really tragically after we moved to California with him. Um, I am so, 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 so sorry. I mean, that is the most tragic way I think, to lose a horse. So for him, it was a ruptured gut. A colic can also be a twisted gut. A colic can be an empty gut with too much gas. And the scary part about it is, unless you're close to an imaging center, you don't necessarily know. I mean, the vet, thank God, thank God we had a vet. Thank God we got him out of pain. There wasn't a lot she could do because we were out in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, DT has never spoken to me so clearly than he did in the moment when those last... 20 seconds of his life, he looked right into my eyes and said, like, you go back and you get another. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. I am so, I mean, this is such a devastating story. And I know a lot of horse owners that have lost their horses to colic and, but you were there with him. And I mean, I don't think there's a better way than for their human to be with them when this happens. And so, and he clearly sent you a message that you must continue being a, a horse owner, right? So yeah. so yeah. this leads us to a little bit of a happier part of the story, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I went back to Idaho. I you know I have I have such a close relationship with that rescue and I I can name every single one of those 87 horses and I can tell you a lesson that one of them's taught me. Mm. It's just such an amazing thing. And so I went out and this horse named Molly Jane was just having trouble finding that perfect horse and Brent kept saying you need to look at MJ she's really really sweet and as soon as I pulled her out I was like okay yep (laughs) you're coming home with me (laughs) she's the one um so we're just so thrilled to have her she's she's all red mare she's very bossy but in a way that um she's for my husband I'm not ready to fully fully give my heart like I did Mm. um but she's gonna be an absolutely incredible horse for him she's gonna take awesome care of him and we're super happy to have her. Well, that's so great. And I love that your husband is involved with your horse life too. It, it makes it so much more special when you can share that with your significant other. Um, and I get it. Like, I really understand like heart horses that like have a piece of your soul that you feel so connected to are really difficult to replace. But I commend you for having room in your heart for MJ and, and you know, cause some, for some people that that loss would have stopped them from ever wanting another horse. So, um, so, so I commend you for taking that step and, and welcoming, her, welcoming her into your life. And I know you're so passionate about rescue that you have some other furry friends that are also rescue animals. Can you tell us a little bit more about the rest of your herd before we move into the informational part of the interview? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So MJ's our first girl. My parents used to call me my house the home for wayward boys because <laughs> it started in college with Tank, the Cocker Spaniel who was just left out on a string and thrown food scraps. So he was 16 pounds when we got him. And he's a very healthy, skinny weight at 22 pounds. So that was, like, he was very malnourished. And to this day, you cannot leave a piece of leather out. You cannot leave, like, I had a bag of corn flour on the floor. And you would think that that is not something a dog wants to eat. But I look over and it's like his nose is four inches deep in the corn flour. And he's just pounding it down like it's his last meal. So it's like having a two-year-old, but we've had him for eight years. We hope we'll have him for another eight more. (laughs) So he keeps us very busy. And then 
we he needed a buddy while we were off at class so we got what we thought was a very normal cat who ended up having a broken leg um so we have grumpy the three-legged cat because the leg had been broken for quite some time and the only course of action was for it to go um but turns out he's totally fine we don't think of him as handicapped at all he can do all the cat things he drives us crazy (laughs) (laughs) i've known a couple three-legged cats in my lifetime too and they they're just as good on three legs as they were on four, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you are agile enough. We don't need, I don't want to know what that fourth leg would have given you. For sure. <laughs> and then our most recent rescue, well, I guess MJ is our most recent rescue, but since um, we also have Trooper, he's a gigantic rabbit. He's bigger than the cat. Um, so I recently learned rabbits are just like horses. They can colic, they have to have their teeth loaded, they need constant access to hay. Like, wow, I didn't know that. Super similar to horses. And so we adopted Giant Trooper. First we were fostering him, but then we realized we're pretty sure he has some kind of undiagnosed nerve damage because he's super friendly, but if you surprise him and he spooks, he will nail you. And it hurts. So I was like, I can't let him go to a home with a kid. This is probably no okay foster failure he's blessed now (laughs) (laughs) so so you you have a tendency to lean towards uh, rescue animals that have quirky characteristics I suppose yeah it's not good enough just to rescue I have to get something that like will not no one else's will go near oh yeah perfect that one's for me (laughs) well that's I mean that's actually really wonderful because those animals need homes too and those are often the ones that are euthanized because they can't find homes for them so I mean you are you're doing a huge service and good karmas come in to you for all these wonderful animals you've taken under your wing for sure (laughs) so Laura this this interview is a little bit different I want to start getting into the more informative portion of the podcast and I love this because you are in the business of helping others help their equine businesses grow by harnessing their personalities uh, and bringing them to life online, which this is so cool, which leads us to your business, which is unbridled content marketing. Can you tell us about your business to kick things off and you know what service you offer and how this can benefit anyone that has a horse related business and you know and authors who also write horse books? Like tell us a little bit about unbridled content marketing. Absolutely. So you know So many people think like, I don't have a story to share or there's nothing interesting about me. And that that's simply not true. You you can take those parts of your lives that might seem mundane and tell a beautiful story that inspires people. And so what I essentially do, you know, and I do this in a hundred different ways through social media content, through blog posts, through emails, whatever, you know, whatever the person needs, but I help them take those story worthy parts of, of what they do or those really inspiring parts of their lives and relate it to their business in a way that really shows their heart because everybody, everybody has a story to tell. And a lot of people come to me, they don't know what their story is. And I can talk to you on the phone for 30 minutes and I'll tell you what your story is. Um, I'll figure it out for you. And so your books are such a perfect example because I'm not a romance novel person. Um, Right now I'm reading a lot of business books. I'm reading a lot of nonfiction and after you were on our podcast, I was just kind of like, you know what, I need a break from all this like heavy content. I need something fun. And I bought your books. And it was so easy for me to want to buy your books once I got to know you as a person. And you talked about Sissy and everything. And I was like, I'm gonna love these books. I can already tell. And so I bought them all. And they're incredible. I'm having so much fun. You by sharing your story with me, you got me hooked. I will buy every book you put out. 
without question. And so by doing that, you know, that was very easy because we had a one-on-one interaction. And so what I help people do is find a way to do that online that goes out to the masses. Like first, I'm blown away. Thank you so much for, for, for supporting my author dream and for picking up my books. And, and, and I really like that you said people buy into personality. They are attracted to it and they want more of it. So you, you know, as you said, you help your clients craft their story around their brand. So tell us why a good brand story is, is so, so important in, in this day and age. Yeah, it is. It is so important. So in this day and age, anyone can start a business, right? Like the barrier to entry to start a business or write a book is lower than it's ever been. And I love that because we can all embrace our passions in a way that the generations before us never could have imagined. Mm -hmm. But it also means competition is really high. Like I have a lot of equine photographers saying, I do not know how to stand out. And that's where you come in. And that's why sharing your brand, like there's no one else out there who grew up on an island in Alaska, who rescued a crazy horse that tried to kill her and changed her life from there. Like there is no one else out there who did that. And you might be thinking, well, I didn't grow up on an island in Alaska, so I'm not that unique. But there is absolutely something about you that is. And by sharing that, other people will resonate with your story. Other people who grew up on a farm in rural Missouri are going to resonate with that story. People who have a desire to raise their kids on a farm in rural Missouri or raise their kids with, you know, the values of horsemanship and respecting other sentient beings, whatever it is, by sharing what is on your heart, like it's scary. You put yourself out there to be crushed, mm-hmm. but you also put yourself out there in a way that people will love you. And that is how you stand out. The only way to really, really stand out is to share your why and your story and what makes you, you. I I love that. And I think, I think what you're, you know, what I'm hearing, what you're speaking to is like sort of uh, help helping your tribe find you through being authentic and telling the story of why you're you. Like you just said, you grew up on a small Island in Alaska you you turned on your heels and you ended up a horse owner and you're very passionate about rescue. I think anybody else who had that, you know, one or all those experiences would, would feel more connected to you than, than they would someone else. So I think that's what it's all about now. It's like you help tell stories. So the right demographic for your brand and for your products can, can find these people. Is yeah. that right? And- yeah, and the beauty behind that is you're going to work best with the people whose hearts align with yours. Oh, I could, you know? not, I could not agree yeah. with that more. And, and I so love that you are like you that. put it out, the more the right people come. And think about like how many people, you are in a unique situation where you need to sell a lot of books. <laughs> I know. Like bazillions. But, yeah, I am lucky enough that, you know, about 10 clients and I'm tapped. So I don't need to reach everybody. And you, in terms of, you know, in terms of how many people there are in the world, you don't need to reach everybody. You need to reach your people. Mm -hmm. And so by being super clear in that message and your stories, you're just cutting out the noise and making it so much easier. Absolutely. And, you know, I think your website, the way you've designed your website is actually a testament to how good you are at this because uh, your website copy is so horsey. And as a, as a fellow horse lover, I was very attracted to the way that you told your story on your, your website. And, and it's so cute. I love the names of the packages that you offer. You have 
the gelding, the stallion, the chestnut mare, which I'm sure was inspired by MJ. Um, you know, so you've named your packages in ways that a horse person can, you know, connect. And, uh, and then you've embedded, you know, so you've embedded the equestrian lifestyle all throughout the storytelling on your website and into all of your messaging. You know, like how, how did you learn to master content creation and the skill of copywriting? Because it's, it's not that easy to tell a concrete short story on a website, you know, in these little chunks. Like, how did you figure that out? I, everyone hates this answer, but it, it's innate. It lives in my head. Like whenever, every single time I onboard a client and they work with me for 30 days and we get on a call, like to review our first month and they're like, where did you get that? Like I pulled it out of my head. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's just in there. And I think, you know, that speaks to how like my heart is so in this that it's in there. But I've, I've always been able to tell a good story. It's genetic. My dad is the life of every party he goes to who tells great stories. <laughs> um, and then, you know, but I've really learned and practiced to put it down on paper. And once you flush that story out on paper and you go through a couple rounds of revisions and, you know, I'm all, I've, I've always been a very succinct person. I don't need to say a lot to get my message across. So that's where I can really help people is, you know, here's the two really important elements of this story, cut out the rest of the noise, and it has so much power. Um, so that's where I think like my social media content is really how to pack is that I can do it in a short space. Mm -hmm. So this all started, I was stuck in a cubicle at a job at a financial company. I, I hated, hated it. Yeah. Um, and so I just like, they treated me terribly. I was, I took their, like, I learned SEO from them. Like, mm -hmm. so if, you know, if you can tell a great story on a blog and get it to show up on the first page of Google, you really got something, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I had their blog going great guns and I asked for a raise and they said no. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm kind of sick and tired of being kicked around and not appreciated. And so I just kind of gave it a shot and away it went. So the, the writing and the telling stories hasn't, hasn't been the hard part that, that flows out of me. The real challenge has been kind of learning, like, how do I make these stories work in the different areas of marketing so that they're effective? And so over the last year, I've just been ingraining myself in social media strategy and email strategy, and I've learned that it changes as fast as you learn it. So it's going to be a constant journey, but that's, I'm, on, I'm on board for it, and I'm super excited about it. Well, and, that, and that's smart. Yes. It's like, it is changing so fast. You get one thing down and it completely shifts to something else or a new channel pops up or, you know, people are consuming content in a different way. That's why Laura, people like you are so important because what I'm hearing is you like embed yourself in the shifts and the changes and what's going on. You know, it works, you know, what is working and then, you know, you know that it's fast changing. So you're staying on top of things. And that's not often something that people have time to do when they're trying to write a book or running a business or helping people train their horses. They're out creating these other things. And that's where you are such a benefit because you're on top of all that stuff. You, you, you take the time to inform yourself so then you can help your clients so they don't have to go and do all that research because researching and educating yourself is like a full-time job just on top of trying to create all the other things that are going on around a business. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I love this too. You offer a free consultation where you chat with a potential client um, and you call it a pre-purchase exam, which is so perfect for the horsey world. That's what 
uh, we call uh, when you have a vet check done on a horse before you buy the horse to make sure everything's healthy with the horse for listeners that don't know. So you offer a pre-purchase exam. Um, and so tell us about your, your consultations. They're free of charge, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then, and you know, you know, what, what happens inside those consultation calls? Like when someone really wants to work with you and get to know you better? Yeah. So at first there's, there's a questionnaire and it's basically an application. So I'm at a point where if you're not really ready to invest, I'd rather have you hanging out in my Facebook group and learning from me there. Once you are like the questionnaire is making sure that like you're serious about moving forward with this. So mm -hmm. once I get on the phone with someone, I'm pretty, like, I've looked at all their social media. I've kind of gotten to know them enough where if I'm getting on the phone with you, I'm thinking you're going to be a pretty good fit to work with me. And I'm just really, really excited to get to know you. So we start out with, where are you today? So if you have never started a social media platform and you're like, I think I want to start that, that's going to look completely different than if you have an audience of 100,000 people and you're just not quite sure how to make money off of them. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, not a good problem to have. <laughs> but hey, I mean, I'm like, I can work with 100,000 people. Let's go. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So I say, you know, where are you at today? And then once I kind of find out where you're at today and what you really want to do with your audience, I want to find out what your why is. So if your why is selling really high-end show clothing, I'm going to kind of be like, uh, I'm probably not the right person for you because I don't know the first thing about that. Mm. If your why is I'm a dressage trainer, but I want to teach natural horsemanship principles to my students because I want them to be able to really manage their horse from the ground up instead of just showing up to the barn and hopping on and going, I'm like, you are my person. That is who I want to work with. So I make sure that their why is something that my heart's going to really align with because if it's not, it's not going to flow well. Mm -hmm. um, but as soon as we make sure that is, we just take a look at, you know, where should you be? Where do you want to go? And then we just put, we take a look at their budget. We put a plan into action and we jump in and and go for it. But that's the really important part is making sure the person has a why beyond just making money. Mm -hmm. um, and something I can write about really, really well with my heart. And then we're off, and off to the races. And, you know, that's cool. That's really responsible. You know, you're not just taking on clients for the sake of taking on clients and making money. You are making sure that, that, that you're a good fit. One, you're making sure that the client is ready for this next step in working with you. But then also you're making sure that you're passionate about the work you will be doing for this client, which I think is really responsible and cool and authentic. And that's why I think you're having so much success. I just wanted to ask a little question on the tail end of that. So what, how do you handle it when you think a potential client maybe isn't the best fit for you? How do, how do you handle that? Because you, you have to be handle that gently, I would imagine. I've worked really hard over the last year to be able to have the luxury to do this. And I understand that not everybody does. Um, but now I've, I've really, like, I don't believe in competition. You know, 10 clients is all I need. Mm -hmm. And so to get my hackles up about other people that are doing the same thing in the industry is just a waste of time to me because there's so many businesses out there that need our space. So I've gotten to know what the other people in our industry do and that makes it really easy. I can say, you know what? I don't know a lot about what you're doing, but so-and-so is going to be a way better fit for you. Here, give them a call. That's, that's really responsible because like we were talking about earlier, you know, your 
tribe and people that are going to be attracted to working with you are different than, you know, somebody else's tribe, even though you're all kind of in the same vein, you each specialize in different, in different pieces of the puzzle. So it's great a that you can recommend someone else to these people and, and, but B it's also really responsible because you want to put, you want to put your heart into somebody's business that you are matched with. Right. And if you're not a good match, it's just the smart thing to do because they'll be better off working with someone anyway. And for you to know that and be able to do that is very special. So that's a very good thing. I know that was a little, uh, that was not on the question list, but oh, I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask that no, question because totally <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that can be, you know, challenging at times, particularly for somebody new that might be just starting or curious about, about getting into, you know. And I mean, I've had some crash and burns, so everybody's yeah. going to learn. We yeah. all do. I mean, yeah. we all do. That's yeah. the nature, that's the nature of being a woman preneur or, you know, to starting your own business. It's, you gotta, you gotta fail to learn and grow. You know, there is no such thing as no failure. Right. Exactly. And I learned like, I'm, I'm, I will never take on a client. That's not an ideal client again, you know? Yeah. There you go. But you had to have that experience. But I had to have an experience now. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And that's great advice. You know, it's like, you got to try things on to know what does and doesn't work for you. And when you're starting out, you often don't know what that looks like until you have the experience. So I think this is really cool. You've, you've created the content coaching group, which is a place to give people the tools to automate, automate everything. So when life happens, their marketing continues to work in the background without requiring their attention. I think this is a really neat concept. So tell us about this group and like, how much does it cost? What services are, are in there? Um, what do you get with membership? And then where, where, where do people find the group? Absolutely. So yeah, it, um, it came about because I realized that one, not everybody can afford to outsource yet, but I saw so many people still floundering or just, you know, posting a picture of their horse and not telling a story, which is, mm. oh my gosh, if you're doing that, please stop. There's a story with that horse and you have to tell it. <laughs> but there was, you know, there's this segment of people that are, that are newer in their businesses or just run a smaller business and they're happy in that smaller business that, don't need my full services, but can still take advantage of my expertise. Mm -hmm. So right now it's just, it's in a private Facebook group and it's a, it's an incredible community. I love every single person in there. Um, but it's $77 a month and you can stay one month if you want to, or you can stay 10 years. Like I want it to be within everyone's budget if they feel like they need it. So it's totally up to you and your needs. Now we are, the price is going up quarterly. So that's kind of the benefit of coming in and staying in is your price never changes. Oh, if you, cool. leave, you have to come back at the higher price. <laughs> so you get, grand, so, you get grandfathered in at this, this, you get grandfathered video. in at the price because I'm adding content every month. Like it's becoming a bigger and bigger library of resources. So as the value of the group goes up, the price goes up. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, that, and that's cool. Cause you're, you're, uh, you're giving something to early adopters or early tribe members, you know, and, yeah. and, and keeping them happy as you build and grow and become extra phenomenal, super extraordinary. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see about that. Um, but yeah, so we currently have 13 units in there and they cover everything. Like they start, if you just started out and you don't know who your ideal client is, like I wanted to create a foundation that allows you to start from the beginning and go forward. So we talk about your ideal client and then we do some market research and I help them put together a content plan because if you still have a side job and you have two kids and seven horses, you should not be posting on Facebook every single day. You don't have time. 
<laughs> so we take a look at, you know, if you only have five hours a month to create content, that's fine. Let's see how much content you can create in those five hours. Put some structure around that instead of forcing yourself to try to keep up with something that you can't. Very cool. That's, that's great. And, and people don't realize that, that there are ways to do that, right? Like, right, so you exactly. don't, well, what I also love about this too, is it kind of halts the addiction that people have to their phones and their computers, particularly when they're running a business. So they can actually live their life and be with their horses and be with their kids, oh, but, yes. but know that things are still working in the back end, And it's a phenomenal resource. Yeah, yeah. So we talk all about, you know, batching. So maybe you're only putting out two posts a week. We're still going to sit down at the beginning of the month and write them all and schedule them. Because mm -hmm. then when, you know, your kid has an ear infection and your horse has an abscess, you're like run ragged, you, your content's going out and you don't have to worry about it. Um, and so we have, you know, email marketing. We really, I try to give people, so I always say this program pairs really well with a business coach because a business coach is going to tell you you need a social media presence. They're going to tell you you need to be doing um, email marketing. They're going to tell you you need to be talking to people in direct messages. But I actually have like templates to make that really easy. Mm. So it's a low price. You should be able to, you know, handle it with other investments. It's not a replacement for business coaching. I want to be clear on that, but I can absolutely help you with this one aspect of your business and just make it a lot easier for you to see results faster because I have all the templates that I've laid out for you. That's great. So, so they, they, you kind of can discover their story and their ideal client or their, their ideal deal audience. And then rework your templates to be in their own voice but then but they're there you don't have to start from scratch you can you can build off of what you provide in the in the group which is yeah, very cool exactly. yeah and then you also host uh one-on-ones and live sessions in the group too where you yes. answer questions yeah yes. so that's how that? we add kind of ongoing content um so mm -hmm. now i feel like I'm finally at a place where the foundation is set as you come in, you know, and that's also why it's month to month. If you want, you can also pay for a year if you, and it's a big discount. If you know, like, I need all the help I can get, I'm going to stay. <laughs> you can pay for a year and it's a big discount. But, you know, some people are like, I just need to work on my email marketing. And so I'm going to come in for two months. I'm going to get that nailed down. And then they always say they're going to go, but they don't usually end up going. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> But now we're at a place where we're getting to have a lot of fun. So every month I add a live training. So I just kind of pull the group and say, what are you guys working on right now? Like, what can I make a training for that's going to help you? And so um, we did a training on direct messaging. So how to talk to people. You know, I know this person clicked on my link and I know they're interested in my program, but I don't know how to reach out to them without freaking them out. Mm. Um, so we did a training on that. And so it's, it's very much interactive. What are you working on? Let's do a training on that. So they get to show up live one-on-one -on -one and ask questions as it pertains to their business. And I answer as I do the training. And then they get a resource like either a template or a checklist. Like I always make sure to have something that they can say, yes, I implemented this. Right. Because that's a huge problem that people have is I bought this great course, but I, I don't know what I got out of it. You know, I want them to be able to say, I have email marketing done. This is automated. This is done. Um, and then we also do a one-on-one -on -one every month. So I just did one yesterday where we did a website audit. She'd been working on her website. She wanted to know how she was doing. So we hop on live together 
and I just go through her website and I say, I think I'd add a call to action here. You know, I want you to tell more of a personal story and talk less about your credentials there. If you're listening, those are really good tips. You should apply to your own website. I love that. I love that. <laughs> but we, you know, they, it's not just a DIY thing. We really get to go one-on-one and then everybody else gets to come in and ask questions like, okay, I see why they say that and give feedback also because I'm not the only genius in the room, you know, so the community gets to pipe in and then also get to ask questions as it pertains to their own business during that session. Cool. I like that. And then, and then how you choose who gets the one-on-one is at the end of your monthly live calls, don't you, you pick it, you choose a name and that, that lucky person gets the, so the live yeah, one-on-one. I just kind of changed it up and then we'll see again. So I did have, I was having people come in in bunches and so that was working and now I'm kind of onboarding people more on a fluid basis. Mm. I want you to be in the group for at least about three to four weeks before you get that chance mm-hmm. because you have to have implemented something for me to give you feedback on, right? Sure. Um, so now at this point, I'm doing, I just have a system set up where they get emailed a scheduler where oh, um, cool. once they've been in the group for three months, it's like, okay, you can apply, but now it's getting a little interesting because I only do one a month and the group used to be pretty small, but now it's growing. And so it's like, oh, you got to stick around if you want your live coaching session because we're scheduling three months out, you know? <laughs> that's really cool. I mean, that's a great problem to have. I mean, clearly people are getting value. And and I really love that concept of working with someone one-on-one live and then letting the community listen in and also ask questions and provide feedback. I mean, how valuable for a, for a small business owner could that potentially, I mean, that that's amazing. What a great opportunity. And the price point is totally affordable. Uh, And that was my goal. You know, like I, I wanted it to be, you know, you have to invest in your business if you want it to succeed, but I don't ever want anybody thinking they're going to miss their mortgage payment because they're working with me, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's really great. And, you know, I wanted to circle back just a little bit. You talked about the importance of coaching and I know that you said you're, you're not offering that just yet business coaching, but, but talk, talk a little bit about why you think coaching is, is so very important when people have a dream. I I would say with anything, right? Absolutely. With anything. Yeah. In fact, my dad was all over me yesterday. Like you need to stop drinking wine and buying fancy coffees and take a horse lesson once a week. You cheap. (laughs) He was calling me a cheapie and telling me I need to take more lessons with MJ, which is totally right. But you can't see the label from inside the bottle, you know? That's what my business coach says all the time. And I always say I would be back in a cubicle if I hadn't have hired a business coach because I just didn't know. Like, so you're a horse trainer. You're an author. You're an incredible author. You're an incredible horse trainer. You're an incredible farrier. It doesn't matter what you do. You aren't born knowing how to run a business, right? Mm-hmm. So to have someone who can see that far out view and tell you, hey, I think you're lacking here, but you can fix that easily by doing X or Y. Mm-hmm. it's totally and just to have somebody like hey I feel like I've messed this up and they can say yeah what can you learn from it and how can you grow from it instead of just feeling like a failure and wallowing in self-hatred and never moving on <laughs> yeah and I'm really glad that you brought that up I I am a big advocate for coaching I've worked with I've worked with coaches a lot in in you know my corporate career my author career I you know I work I I work with coaches and I truly believe that you know, like CEOs of big businesses have coaches, like, you know, top athletes have coaches, your horse trainer and who you take lessons for is a coach, like utilizing a coach to help you achieve your dreams is the fastest way to get there. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. And, 
And you, you are a testament to the fact that you built a thriving business from working with a coach, you know? So I think, I think that's really important. I think that we don't talk about it enough or we see it as a weakness if we're working with a coach that we should be able to do it all. But, you know, they, they always say, you should always be working with someone that knows more than you do to help uh-huh. you move the needle. Right. So, uh, and there is something to be said for that one-on-one personal coaching that you, you know, you can Google everything yourself, but just, you know, having somebody in your corner is really important. Really important. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, last time I took a lesson with MJ, like I was not, I was letting her walk all over me when I was lunging her. Like that's basic horsemanship 101. And I just wasn't seeing it. And as soon as my trainer put it out, I was like, holy moly, you are right. Yeah. You know? And I made that change and she has been so much better in the last two sessions because I realized like, no, this is a small area, but you can lope in here and you mm-hmm. will, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, dang it. I can't pull that one over on you anymore and you know her whole attitude has changed and you know that's something that I've been doing this long enough where I should recognize that but I I didn't I made that mistake and thank goodness she was there to catch me so that I could then make progress with my horse again you know absolutely coaches see your blind spots they see the things that you don't see and sometimes it's even uncomfortable to get called out on those things but but those are the things you need in order to keep moving forward you know so that's great I I love that so uh, you know, how else do you reach your, your potential clients? Because this is like really interesting. You're in a lot of places. You do a lot of things. You have the Facebook group, you have the pre-examination call, you have, uh, uh, you have a website that's just beautiful in and of itself. You use social media. Like, are people just coming to you or like, how, how are you attracting your, your clients? So yeah, right now everything is, I'm funneling. So I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm using, I'm funneling, I'm on Pinterest, so my blog, every time I'm a little behind on the blog, Mm -hmm. but every time I post a blog post, I um, advertise it on Pinterest, and people can then give me their email to get access to a freebie and hit it, and hit my email list from there. So everybody's being funneled toward the Facebook group, because that's where you can really get to know me. You can come on in and watch about 20 training videos on different topics where I'm not giving you step-by-step instructions mm-hmm. of how to do things, but I'm opening up your mind to mm-hmm. say, hey, this is something that could grow your business. This is how you can do something differently to improve kind of stuff. And so from there, when people are really getting, at that point, they're really getting to know me. So they move into a point of my email sequence where they get invited to work with me. And so that either is a form of the content coaching group or booking a call with me. So by the time somebody books a call, they really know me and what I'm, what I'm offering. Um, and so everything's funneling to get to know me in the Facebook group and then sign up via email. I love that. So you've built up systems and filters that are kind of working in the background as you're doing your, your day-to-day work that, that help bring your tribe to you, like little magnets, like attractors. <laughs> and I wanted to cl- clarify too, you also have a free Facebook group called The Word Wrangler, which is independent of the content, what was it, the content creation the content. group? Yeah, yeah. yeah which, so you, you have the, the free group in addition to all your channels where people can really get to know you and get some valuable lessons in storytelling and building brands. Uh, and then they can choose to move into the paid group or they can choose to have a consultation with you and then, and then work on a deeper level with a program that's built for them. I just want to make sure. Yeah. So that, that free group is kind of where like, if you have a business and you like horses, you're welcome. Like that's my, 
<laughs> that's my qualifying. You have to own a business. You have to like horses, but everyone's welcome. And so from there, you know, I know I have people in that group that are never, ever going to pay me for anything, but they just love hanging out and providing value to the community. And I think that's really valuable. I love my free Facebook group because even in there, people are asking each other for help. And if you're at a point in a place for your business yet, where you can't afford to that, or that you're not ready, I'd way rather you have a place to go where people get you and, you know, get something, even if you're not totally ready. So everyone's welcome there. And it's, it's active. There's a lot going on there and you can, you can find resources for stuff that you need there without. Yes. And I will link to that group in your show notes because there's a lot of valuable information and, you know, and then I, I don't, you know, and that's the way it is with anything, right? There'll be, there'll be people in there that are, you know, enjoying the group and the community aspect and learning, but they may not move any further with you, but don't underestimate the power of word of mouth because those people that are getting to know you and enjoying your content, they may not be able to move forward with you, but they may recommend you to somebody else in the community. So, you know, there's always, because like you said, people are attracted to the person more so than the product. So, you know, you're generating word of mouth and, and leads just by being you in that group. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's people in there that will probably never invest with me, but they've learned my message. So if they can help someone that I don't get to, that has in itself has so much value to me. I'm so glad they're there and helping me with that. Yeah, and that's so great. You know, so you mentioned earlier in the interview that that you know you found that ten clients is like your sweet spot, and that's sort of where you you like to be with with how many people you're working with at a time. I'm wondering how do you manage, you know, your time, your content groups, your own marketing, and then keep track of all your different clients. Is there do, do you have like a strategy for how to take care of you, and then but also take care of everything else? I'm so glad you asked this question because um, <laughs> over the holidays, I had one call with my business coach, like one final, um, I did, I bought into a program that she offered. And so like, we kind of took a pause on our one-on-one and I completed the program and the final call. And she was very honest. She was like, you know, so um, my husband and I are thinking, you know, we might want to start a family in the next three to five years. And so what's that going to look like? And how's that? And so she was basically like, if you think you, you're like, you're a workaholic now, you're going to be a terrible mother. So you need to get a handle on this. <laughs> and that's totally Sounds what I Sounds very thought. honest. <laughs> yes, that's, that's totally what I need in my life. And so from, I set hard office hours at the beginning of 2020. I come in the office at nine and I walk out of the office at six and that it has to get done in those hours or it won't, um, or, or it's, it's done. Like I am done spending late nights at the computer because my writing is not good during late nights at the computer. There's, there's, there's no place for low quality work. And so I have those office hours. And then in terms of my clients, it really depends. Like I say I can handle 10 clients right now, probably more like six because I have a few clients that are pretty big and I'm doing a lot for them. Mm -hmm. So the number goes up and down depending on what I'm doing for people at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do have a software that tracks my progress with them so that when I, you know, I know that Mondays are for my own business and then Tuesdays through Fridays are for client work. And I know like each client gets a half day and I make sure to get their stuff done. And when I sit down at the computer, my program tells me like, you need to write 27 posts for, you know, the horseshoeing school today. And so I can sit down and get that done. That's great. So you figured out a way to create your schedule that worked for you and you're using technology and a system to help to do that. And it made me so happy to hear that you keep a day for yourself 
and your own business? Because I think that, you know, I, I interviewed April Hardenman, which we'll talk, we'll talk about her in a minute because she's your uh, co-host for, for your podcast, which I want to get to. But, uh, you know, she's also in, in the same sort of vein of work, but is specialist in different areas than you are. And she was always talking about how, you know, she was working so hard for her clients that her business fell to the side. And I'm sure you had that sort of experience as well, you know, so I'm really happy to hear you're making time for yourself and, and, and those hard hours. So it's really important to give yourself a break and, you know, get away from the screen and de decompress and be with your family and be with the horses because it, you're better when you come back. Yeah. Yes. You, yes absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, April's in this unfortunate situation right now where she's in Germany most of her clients are in the U.S. and so I'm so excited to watch her be able to grow when she gets back to Texas and gets to set some you know reasonable human hours. <laughs> uh, yeah you know you guys are doing such great things and I'm so proud of the work you're doing. I guess this is you know a perfect lead-in to your podcast. Let's talk about uh, the rain the rain in your herd podcast. Let's talk a little bit about your co-host April who is also a guest on my, my podcast here. And I've been a guest on your podcast, which is really cool. Uh, tell us about that and tell us about what people, you know, how it came to be and what people can, can discover by listening in. Absolutely. So I kind of knew that podcasts were, they're up and coming. Podcasts are so big right now. People want audio content. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a tech person. <laughs> I always tell my clients, like, I can make magic happen in a Word document, but you don't want me touching your website. <laughs> explosions will start going off in the world like you know I'm not I'm not a techie person and so I knew I wanted a podcast it was on my heart but I didn't know how to get started or even the first place to start um so April Hardeman with Make It Rain contacted me about how she also wanted to start a podcast but she didn't know how she was going to keep up and we were like why are we trying to do this separately <laughs> let's go ahead and so we watched we launched Train in Your Herd, and it's it's been such a perfect partnership because she handles all the techie stuff. I have no idea what happens to the file when we're done talking. All I know is a podcast goes live, <laughs> um, and I take care of all the writing. Like she, we're, we're she also has a group program, and we're going to launch a joint bundle for that. In our oh, next cool! So people don't have that. to choose between one or the other. Yeah. So she's talking about how she needs to do a a sales page for that. And I'm like, don't you dare write the copy for that. You know, that'll take you 10 hours. Just <laughs> send me the nuts and bolts of your program and I'll put it together. So she does all the techie stuff and I do all the writing and that really helps the podcast go out smoothly. So we give tips on how to grow your online audience. We talk about everything from Facebook ads to email marketing to just like taking that leap when you're terrified to get started. So we really try to talk about like our expertise is growing your online herd, but we also try to hit on those just scary business things that if you don't have a business coach, maybe you don't have somebody speaking into your life about the fact that you got to take messy, massive action, that you're going to fail in your business and it's okay. So we kind of hit all things. And then we love having guests on our podcast to share their business journey. Every guest we have just bring something completely unique to the table that we can't offer from our own perspectives. So, I mean, learning about independently publishing from you and learning about what it takes, I mean, everybody has an awesome story. So that's, I mean, we're setting it up for people to tell their stories from a business standpoint and learn together. It's really fun. Oh, it is. It's great. I've been listening in and I'll certainly link to that in the show notes so people can gallop over and listen to Rain in Your Herd. And, and what I really like about this too is that 
you and April have, have had a conversation about your strengths and your, your not so strengths or your weaknesses, right? And, and work together um, and united, even though you have like sort of similar businesses, you realize that you have specialties and you're not each other's competition. You're stronger working together. And that's exactly how I feel about other authors. And I just really love seeing you unite with another uh, equestrian business owner and making it work and creating a partnership that's really valuable for both of you. And, and you guys have great chemistry and you work together really well. It's, it was really fun being on your show. I so enjoyed it. And I also really love did you say massive, messy, mis- or messy, massive mistake? Messy, massive action, yes. Yeah, no, messy, massive action. Talk to me about that. That was like, I heard that and I was like, ooh, I got to talk about that. Oh, we have a whole episode coming out really soon. And April could tell you exactly when. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all about, you know, you're not going to be perfect in your business. And I mean, we, this messy, massive action episode, we had to record twice because it went into the cloud and disappeared. No. <laughs> so we were like, what a perfect episode to lose, right? <laughs> you almost, you almost like called that forth from the universe. Yeah, that that's something messy would happen with the episode. <laughs> but it's all about just like, so maybe you don't have a perfect plan, but if it's on your heart, go forth and do it. And I, I love that you spoke about the competition because, um, I don't remember which episode of your podcast I was listening to, but you were talking about competition. And as you guys were talking about it, I was like, um, as a horse book reader, like there can never be, I'm not going to not read Carly's book because I read Autumn's book, like right. all of those books. I'll buy another bookshelf. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the truth of the nature is, is like, no, nobody's going to write a book the way I write a book. We could both start off with the same prompt and it would, it would end up in totally different directions. And that's like going back to your conversation about telling your story and attracting your tribe because the way you do things are going to fit with certain people and the way I tell a story is going to fit with a certain people, you know? And so that's why we can all come together and just be resources for each other. And we're not competition. You know, it's like we, I love that you just said that you're going to read this horse book, this horse book, this horse book, because they're about horses, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter who the author is. Like there's, we can all share readers, you know, and we're better when we work together. I love that that stood out for you. Yeah. Uh, So here's a, here's a, whopper of a question when you you know took the leap and decided to create um unbridled content marketing is there anything that you would go back and tell your pre-small business ownership self uh advice that you would tell your yourself before you got into this or something you wish you had known yeah yeah i wish that i would have realized you know you hear the term like the client's always right and you want to provide excellent customer service. And so what I did is I let my clients tell me what they needed. Mm. And I've learned now that they don't necessarily know what they need. And I need to take that charge and say, this is what you need to do. And of course, I need to make sure that they're excited about it and they feel good about it. But I shouldn't have somebody come to me and say, I want blog, I want you know, blog posts and social media content, which is what I did at the beginning. And it led to client results I wasn't super happy with because they're not marketing experts. They're, you know, they're experts in their field. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're starting out, have the confidence to speak your expertise right away because 
you know, I should say, okay, what are your goals? Who is your ideal client? Okay, you need to be on Facebook, you need to be on Instagram, you need to have a podcast, and you need to have a blog. And those are all completely different things that I have been sitting here with the expertise to tell you. And instead of, you know, having somebody say, well, I've been blogging for the last five years, so I want to keep blogging. If your blog isn't bringing you clients, maybe your blog isn't where you should be, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think just having the confidence to to have your expertise. And yes, the client is always right. And if they hate the idea of being on YouTube, let's find out a way to make that, that blog bring clients, but let's not just keep blogging in the same way that isn't getting results kind of a thing. That's, that is super advice because you, you are the expert and they are paying you for the not what they think they should <laughs> yeah. be doing, but like what, what you think will help them grow their business. Yeah. That that's really good advice. Uh, you know, and then since this is the equestrian author spotlight, I was wondering if you could share a little advice on how you think some uh, some authors could market their books. Like, you know, do you have any put on yeah. a little thinking cap and maybe throw out some recommendations? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we talked about sharing yourself, but putting your heart online is scary, and we all know that. But if you've written a book you've put your heart out. And even if you wrote a book with a pen name and you don't relate with your characters on any way that you relate to consciously, subconsciously, you put your heart into that book, whether or not you want to admit it or not. Mm -hmm. So this is your, your brutal honesty from me coming through <laughs> and saying, you have put your heart out into the world. Don't sell it short by not sharing your heart on social media and not getting the book sales that you deserve. You know, you've done the hard work. So mm -hmm. sharing stuff, and it can be as simple as like, I did an Instagram story of me pouring myself a cup of coffee mm -hmm. last week and got three replies going, I love how you share your day. Mm. And I'm like, a cup of coffee is so, so mundane, but a cup of coffee from my favorite author? Cool. What are you putting in your coffee? You know, what should I be putting in my coffee? And so don't be afraid to just put yourself out there. And no, you don't want to share the content of your book because people should be paying to get that. But you can share your life and your adventures and what you're working on. And when you have writer's block, talk about that because it's mm. interesting to us. Mm -hmm. And all that personal stuff and why you wrote the book. So maybe you wrote the book under a pen name. Share the secret behind, you know, the the inspiration for that character. Maybe it's your grandfather, your uncle, or yourself, or, you know, an ex-boyfriend, whatever it is. Share that insider information, and people will get really into following you and your books. Oh, cool. That's really cool advice. And and not to be afraid, you know, I, I will be honest, when I started on this journey as an author, I was like, I do not want to put my face on YouTube, and I do not want to share pictures of myself or my life. And I, you know, like, before before I started on this journey I was not on social media you know it's like it's a, it's almost like it's something you have to do but it's also not just putting a picture of your book and saying buy my book a thousand times you know they're they're you know people like you like we keep talking about like people identify with people not the product so it's like who are you who are we and I think that that is really cool advice and it's scary it's okay it it's okay to be scared that's why people like Laura are here to help you figure out what story you want to tell and feel comfortable with what you're sharing. You know, that that's the service that Laura provides. So, you know, jump on a consultation call with her. If you're an author and you're struggling to figure out how to market your book or, or you need a way to, you know, generate content that runs in the background so you can get back to writing. Like that is Laura's specialty. Yeah. 
So, and I will link to all the places where you can find Laura and connect with her in the show notes. So, so, you know, we can all get us our author marketing wheels greased, right? <laughs> Thank you, Marley. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're starting to, you know, kind of get towards the, the, the last few questions. And, you know, I was wondering, um, is there anything that a listener of the show might be surprised to learn about you? Yeah, so we did talk about this a little bit in the business, but people are always surprised I've only been in the horse industry for three years. Oh, know? that surprised the socks off of me. I was yeah. like, what? No way. Because I'm like, it's such a huge part of my life. And I, I, you know, I have a horse trailer. on my. I live in the suburbs. I got a horse trailer on my front lawn because I had nowhere else to put it. Like, That's awesome. I'm so ingrained in the lifestyle. I'm, like, I'm not having a horse without, without, without wheels. <laughs> <laughs> so I went out and I bought a horse trailer. Oh, where are we going to put it? Okay, front lawn. <laughs> nice. I'm sure your neighbors love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure they do. But you know what? They can handle it. <laughs> For sure. The horse trailer. Horse trailer is very important. Cowgirls need horse trailers to get around and, and go check out new places. And yeah, so park it wherever you, wherever you need to. <laughs> wherever you have to. Yeah, exactly. And so I just... Um, you know, I feel like I don't, I haven't wasted any time jumping into the industry, which a lot of people, when I talk to them and they say, I grew up in the horse industry, but you know, I, I had angsty teenage years where I decided I hate horses for five years. And I so regret doing that, you know, whatever. I was lucky enough not to experience that. But mm -hmm. a lot of my clients come to me after I've hired a big marketing firm, you know, they hired some, I don't know, some big marketing firm that works with hundreds of companies and has a huge agency but it didn't work out because the person couldn't write about horses. You know? yeah. And I just, I jumped into lifestyle so quickly, so wholeheartedly that now I can write about the industry. And I, you know, I can't write about high level shows. I've never been to one, but I could pick it up a heck of a lot faster than somebody who's never been around a horse could. Yeah. And that's, that's really important. You just spoke to the importance of working with someone. It doesn't matter how big or small a company is. You need to work with someone that knows yes. your market, your specialty, what you do, uh, because it makes a big difference, you know? So it's like, you don't have to spend bazillions of dollars to have some top-notch marketing firm work for you. You need someone that gets you and yeah. you're a testament to that. Awesome. Thank you. And you speak, you speak to the equestrian lifestyle so well. Never, ever, ever would I have guessed that you were, you're, you're a recent equestrian. But three years is pretty good, but you know. It's, never... it's going by really fast. I can tell you that. So what makes you feel inspired or like your, your best self? I have to believe this is probably horsey related, but I, I wanted to ask it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely time with MJ. So the six months where I started my business and I didn't have a horse, were the, the like darkest, hardest six months of my life because I never really practiced what a normal person would call self-care because all through college I had swimming. So it was very easy to just like class ended, you go to swim practice, you have to eat a healthy dinner because that's like the lifestyle of an athlete. You do your homework and you hit the hay because you're up. Like self-care was, I would have died if I didn't have self-care <laughs> in college because the schedule demanded it. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden I graduated and I just kind of fell into this horse thing where I always had horse time and that became my rejuvenation. And so then after I lost DT, I didn't know how to make myself get out there and I didn't realize how bad it had gotten where I just was never leaving the house. I was working all the time. Like I wasn't taking any time for myself because there was nothing for me to take time for. 
Mm. And then we got MJ and all of a sudden it was like, I have to see her four times a week. Absolutely. No questions asked. And bam, my life turned around again and my business picked up huge. You know, it was everything changed when all I have to do is go out there and throw my arm around her and she pins her ears and looks at me like, I don't like you that much. I'm like, I know you're making that up. I know you like me. <laughs> we go on a walk and have a lot of fun together. And yeah. it's just, that's, I need my horse time in my life. That's what I learned. It's non-negotiable. Yeah, I hear you. I'm so the same way. And just that, that little break that gets you out from behind the screen or even having to like generate conversation or communication with other human beings, just being with the natural energy of a horse and being out in nature and just be quiet, being quiet, you know, it's like, it, that is, it does create rejuvenation and it's so important. And I, I think a lot of fellow equestrians feel that way. So yeah, horses make me feel like my best self too. What is the hardest part about running your own business and being an entrepreneur? And then on the flip side, what is, what is the very best part for you? Totally. So the balance for me is the hardest part because mm. it's, it's a catch 22. You love what you do. So I could do it all day. Mm. Um, but if you want to keep being good at what you love, what you do, you have to, you have to turn it off. So just, you know, removing that pressure, you know, I always want to deliver for a client immediately. And you know what, when somebody hires you, they don't expect you to turn something around in 24 hours. That's bonkers. <laughs> mm -hmm. So removing that pressure that I needlessly put on myself I have wonderful clients they never expect that um and just learning that it's okay to step away is so important for the longevity of my business I want to be a guest on your podcast again in 20 years you know I want us both to still be here doing what we love and so for the longevity of my business I have to learn to put it down and let it go Mm, that's um, great. And that's then the best part without a doubt is the freedom. You know, if I find someone I want to help, I can make a package for them and get started on a project whenever I want. And you know, I, if the weather's beautiful on Tuesday, I can go play with MJ on Tuesday and work on Saturday. So just the, the freedom is absolutely amazing. And, you know, growing up in Alaska and having this super close relationship with this rescue now in Idaho and living in California, I'm on the go a lot. And I can mm. just, pick up my laptop and be on the go and be wherever life needs me. Oh, yes, that's so beautiful. And, and it sounds like you're figuring a way to deal with that hardest part, which is, you know, putting putting some structure and limitations on how you're working in order to take care of yourself, right? So I think that that is definitely the hardest thing of being your own business owner is that you have to you want to work on it all day long because you want this thing to grow, but you also have to remember, you know, there's, there's more than just, just the business. Absolutely. I'm curious to know what you're curious about. Like what's next? What, what are you thinking about? What, what's on the agenda? No, oh, man, I love learning. I'm, there's always something new on the agenda. Anyone <laughs> in my life who's trying to keep up with me is tired. <laughs> but, Sounds like um, we get along really well. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> So on a, on a rider standpoint, you know, DT and I, we rode all over the place, but I'm not a, from a technical proper riding standpoint, I'm not a good rider. Like I can sit down and plow up a hill and ha ha ha, let's go fast. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I would like to become a technically better rider. So taking more riding lessons, learning how to help. Um, MJ had a stifle injury as a three-year-old. So mm. I want to make sure as we bring her into work that we teach her how to use her body properly and we develop her top line and really get her going well. So I have to learn all that in order to teach it to her. So that's, that's my huge project. <laughs> um, 
that's a cool project. You want to be the best course woman you can be, not only for yourself, but also for, for your horse. So she's, she's doing it right with, again, speaks to the value of coaching. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, coaching on all the things. And so I also mentioned that, you know, my writing has been pretty innate up until this point, but I know that there's ways that I can become even better. So investing in that education of kind of harnessing this raw talent and flushing it out and making it incredible on the business side, that's where I'm headed. That is so cool. I am so impressed by everything you've created so far and everything you're up to in the future. And you're, you have a wealth of knowledge and I encourage people to, to jump on a pre-purchase examination with you and learn more about growing their businesses and selling their books, telling their stories um, because we all, you know, we all need the kind of support that you offer, which is really great. So speaking to that, where can people find you in your business? Absolutely. So the best place to find me is my Facebook group, the Word Wranglers community. Um, that's where you're going to get the most me. <laughs> but if you're like, wow, that's a lot of her, you can also just follow me on Instagram at Unbridled Content Marketing. Um, those are the two places where I hang out the most. And that's where you'll find the most um, the most resources from me. You can also read my blog. Okay, awesome. And then your website is unbridledcontentmarketing.com. Is that right? That is my website. Yes. Awesome. And you know, don't scramble for a pen and paper. I'll make sure to include all of these things in the show notes so you can just click the link and, and get over to Laura. And uh, Laura, I have so enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing marketing strategies and ideas for authors and, and other small businesses that cater to, to the horse lifestyle means a lot Thank you for having me it's just been so fun getting to know you because now I feel like I've seen your heart from your books and getting to talk to you before and after it's been so fun so thank you so much for this opportunity it's it's a blast thanks for joining us this week on the equestrian author spotlight podcast I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing just like me Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author, who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.